This is MJ. I'm an author. I'm an artist. I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at mjmunoz.com. Welcome to Red Panda Adventures number six, or rather, Red Panda Report number six, Fame Monster, where I will be analyzing and discussing Red Panda Adventures number six. And to start it off, I'll let you know that the episode is titled Death Danced at Midnight, and that it originally aired or was released on December 24th, 2005 which is a while ago. It was written and directed by Greg Taylor. This is episode 6, of course, of season 1, which has 12 episodes, and the synopsis for the episode goes like this. Will Holland was sentenced to die for his crimes. That should have been the end of the story. But one year later, the jurors that condemned him are sharing his fate one by one. With the aid of a new ally, the Red Panda and the Flying Squirrel must learn how death danced at midnight. And... Yeah, this was a pretty good episode. Pretty, oh well, no, I was just it's pretty straightforward, but there's a twist. It's one major twist, and uh, interestingly enough, oh, I didn't mention that yet, but I'll, I'll mention it when I get to the point. When I get to that part, rather. Um, there wasn't anything I really disliked in this episode, so I shall skip over trying to force myself to dislike something and just talk about the things I liked. One of which was Kit coping with failure. So, if you've listened to the episode, which you should by now, and if you haven't, shame on you, and uh, go listen to it. <laughs> uh, Kit really messes things up, sort of. She very much trusts the asset, the lead, the new ally mentioned in the uh, copy for this episode, and she almost allows him to keep the murder spree going. And... It's interesting that she feels so guilty over that. And it's interesting that she fails so, you know, badly. And what I really like about it is that at one point in the episode, she comforts this same ally who is upset with his own failure, which is orchestrated and manufactured, of course, uh, though they do not know that yet, the uh, terrific twosome of Toronto, but they learn it later. And she comforts him and tries to help him know that it's okay, everybody makes these mistakes, and that he has to buck up and keep moving and do the best he can for the most people. And by the end of the episode, Red Panda uses that <laughs> on her slash against her, and uh, I think that's a great thing, because she what she said to the uh, true culprit uh, is true, and they're wise words, and hearing them quoted back at her was, one, good, uh, two, uh, a good moment for the characters, for Red Panda and Flying Squirrel. And three, uh, they got to make a really fun joke about how quotable she is. And uh, Taylor, as Red Panda, does this great uh, thing where he kind of affects her accent. And that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, what she said about not being smart enough, strong enough, lucky enough, whatever, uh, or fast enough, I think was one of them too, was good. Because, you know, life isn't perfect. And, of course, this is a fictional life, but still... It has the verisimilitude, um, which makes it all that much more rich and enjoyable, I think. Uh, I like that there is kind of this cat and mouse aspect to the episode where they are trying to catch this serial killer who is striking again, and they're finding that they're always kind of one step behind him and their efforts are frustrated and that's interesting because well, like i said nobody's perfect and 
despite the fact that this show goes on for 120 episodes, spoilers, uh, and, you know, Red, Planned, Red Panda and Flying Squirrel live through all of them, spoilers again, uh, it, there wouldn't be very good stakes and very good drama if they always won every fight unequivocally. So having their foe outmatch them, outwit them in some way is really good. And it raises, like I said, the stakes and makes things a lot more interesting. So I appreciate that Taylor was able to do that in this. And the way he did it was, I think, quite clever. And uh, one of the ways that he does, does that is that the killer who was executed about a year ago his juror, or his jury, rather, is being killed, and the papers claim that it's a ghost, that it's the ghost of, uh, what is his name, Will, Will Holland. The ghost of Will Holland is coming back. Turns out he has a twin brother who I assume is an identical twin, and he, at one point, gets framed up for doing the murders as vengeance uh, for his brother, who he had falsely testified for, he falsified evidence, and other things. And uh, it was pretty interesting that that was a route that we were going to go. And honestly, I listened to it twice, not in a row, but I listened to it twice in succession. <clears throat> and even the second time I listened to it, I thought, I'm actually convinced that the twin could be the killer. And what a great gag that is. What a great uh, idea that is for it to turn out that this guy who's come back from the grave to effect his revenge on the jurors who got him executed for his <clears throat> serial murder spree, uh, you know, is... Uh, able to do that because it's not really him, it's not really the ghost, it's his brother. And, you know, at this point in the world of Red Panda, we don't know whether or not there are ghosts and goblins and demons and things like that. And there's a healthy skepticism from Red Panda himself about this ghost of Holland. And it gets played with in an interesting way here, and it turns out that it's not a ghost. But there's a plausible explanation for all of it, and having the twin as an option for that, even though he turned out to be a red herring, is uh, very satisfying. Okay, now, <laughs> uh, I'm going to spoil it for you a little bit, but it turns out that the contact that they have is a newspaperman, and he is actually the villain of the episode. And he's making this all happen for himself, so that he can reclaim his glory and keep his byline, I guess, above the fold. He wants to be a headliner daily, like he was back during the Holland murder trial, or serial murder trial, I should say. And uh, he becomes warped by that, and that's pretty interesting that that would happen to him. Um, ah, I forgot a key thing earlier, but it's okay. <laughs> anyway, so he becomes warped and twisted by his desire to keep his name in the headlines and it plays a pretty interesting part uh in the story it's his motivation basically but uh you know there's a statement and i wonder if you've ever heard this that the uh, media the news media is faith uh sorry factual but not truthful and that they uh, have been called the enemy of the people at least in the united states of america and there was one day at least we think, when journalists were hardworking people trying to get the truth out for, you know, Joe Citizen so that he and she could make the right decisions and be fully informed. But then again, uh, as we've seen even in the body of this episode, Red Panda tries to weaponize the press and we have the culprit, who's the reporter, weaponizing the press as well and using it to keep his murder spree going. And that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, I'm going to move on from there, and basically, I've kind of already talked about Holland's ghost. Um, it's an interesting 
concept that gets brought up, but it's debunked. It's not actually a ghost or specter or spook. It's just a man who has lost touch with reality. A man who, through his own twisted logic, has decided to commit serial murder for, uh, for the fame, basically. And this desire for fame, this desire to have that thrill of being so popular and so acclaimed has warped him until it's turned him into a monster, the very monster that he got famous, doc the very type of monster that he got famous documenting in the first place, which is an interesting story. I don't have much else to say about him. He had no powers. <laughs> he had, uh, I don't know how he gained entry into any of these people's homes in order to murder them. I don't know any of those things. And it's all glossed over, which I find clever and interesting on the writing aspect of it. But also, it's interesting how, in the moment, the way it's written, it didn't really matter. And it definitely gets a buy or a pass. And I like that. I, I want to emulate that kind of writing. It's, it's good, I think. There are a few lore points that I will go through quickly, and then I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the episode. <clears throat> like I said, I did enjoy the episode overall, so there's nothing to complain about or, uh, you know, attack it over. So, the first thing, well, actually, uh, the last thing that I have on my list is that Red Panda is apparently not a good driver, and that's pretty funny. Um, he's so good at all these other things, but not driving. Driving is not a strong suit, and that's funny, and I can relate, so... Uh, the Masked Phantom, apparently, was a mystery man operating sometime before Red Panda started his career, I would assume in Toronto, uh, partly because he's mentioned by this fellow from the Sentinel, and that, um, he was mentioned, it basically sounded like he was in the area, and Red Panda could have known him because of him being in Toronto, and this reporter being from Toronto knew of this Masked Phantom, so that's cool. Uh, I like to, well, anyway, that's just neat to think about that there were other mystery men before Red Panda, which makes sense. He wouldn't be the first one. Um, and it's kind of cool to get any clue about those who came before him. And who knows, maybe the Masked Phantom will show up in an episode of Red Panda when things are dire. Maybe he'll come back and give some assistance to help protect the city that he once fought for. Next thing is uh, Jack Peters reports for the Sentinel. Or, uh, yeah, he does that, first of all, which is the paper that this, uh, fellow that they're working with is also a newspaperman at and uh he was kidnapped as part of a plan to use him to get to the red panda which is uh pretty cool which is pretty cool not good for him but good for the story and the drama telling right uh, apparently there's another reporter bailey uh, who works for the sentinel and he's a contact for them there and helps them they give him scoops on stories and he plants information and things like that for him and that's the last little bit of uh, lore here that red panda uses his newspaper contacts to plant useful information in the papers from time to time and again that's interesting in the context of everything that was going on in this episode and with this story and this reporter who turned heel who turned into a, a villain and a murderer so anyway that was all uh check out all my other work on the website you can find the links to everything in the show notes and i would appreciate you checking that out i uh yeah i have my own superhero universe in mind uh which is part of the reason i'm going through red panda like this and doing these reports so that i can learn the craft because i think uh taylor did a masterful job and i'd like to emulate him and exceed his uh performances achievement with this show uh, or, you know, in what he did telling the story of the Red Panda. And, uh, anyway, 
I don't know that I will do that, but that's my aspiration and I'm working on it. I'm studying the material in order to do that. So look forward to my superhero writings, which you can find on the website on mjmunoz.com. And I'm going to go ahead and call it a night for now. So thank you much. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, be well. This is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.